Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of the amazing moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. I know you're watching. I love you. Uh, I wish all of you were here so we could celebrate you properly and in person. Um, so if you're with a mom right now, just give them a big kiss uh, for me. That sounds weird. Don't give them a kiss for me. Give them a kiss for yourself. Uh, don't kiss them for me. And um, we hope you have a great day being celebrated today. And uh, again, we can't wait to gather. Do this for me. Grab your Bibles and turn them to 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, before we get into that, though, I just, I, I want to talk to you briefly about kind of the times that we're in today. Uh, as, as you're well aware, we're in some unique times with a virus, with uh, being quarantined. And I think it's important for us to remember to stop for a minute and remember what the Word of God says we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus in times of crisis. That you and I, no matter what season of life we may be in, no matter what storm we may be facing, no matter what challenge we may be experiencing, we are called to represent Jesus in every way. So right now we have a governor, Governor Inslee, who Maybe for myself at least, I don't share a lot of his same life values. We may disagree on a lot of things. But as a believer in Jesus, I am called to build him up and not tear him down. Regardless of what I may feel about his decisions, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it talks about how as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, I'm called to intercede and pray for my leaders, those in authority. In Romans, it talks about how God puts those in authority over us for our benefit. They're actually for our benefit, and he places them there. So whether you agree with a governor, whether you agree with a president, whether you agree with those in leadership, they're actually placed there by God for your benefit. And you and I are called as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to pray for them. We're called to pray for them, to build them up, not to criticize. How easy it is to criticize somebody when you don't know them. I know from experience, there's a lot of people that don't know me that think that they know my heart at times, and they'll, they'll say things and they'll criticize. So for me, I try to do my best to never criticize somebody or tear them down if I don't know them, if I haven't talked to them. And I don't want to criticize them anyways. I want to build them up and pray for them. So Promise Church, those of you who are listening, we need to be people that pray for and intercede for our leaders. Right now, you can, the devil is doing everything he can to try to bring fear, to try to bring worry, and a spirit of distraction is so prevalent in our culture today. It's so strong and prevalent in the church, distracting us from looking at everything else around us rather than simply looking at Jesus. Peter, when he's walking on the water, falls and sinks because he notices the wind and the waves rather than staring at Jesus. The devil is trying to do everything he can to distract you. And he does it through conspiracy videos. He does it through fear and propagation. If we would just do this, if you would stop spending hours watching conspiracy videos and start spending hours reading your Bible, you will know what Jesus is saying during this time rather than what the world is saying during this time. I'm not telling you should be ignorant. I'm telling you, who are you listening to? We need to be people that not only look at Jesus, but listen to him. And we stop propagating fear and we start promoting faith. We need to stop propagating fear, propagating worry, and promoting faith and peace. 
So regardless of whether you agree, regardless of whether you even understand what's happening, let us be people that look at Jesus, that don't build or that tear down people, but we build them up. Pray for our mayor. Pray for our city council members. Pray for our county officials. Pray for our governor. Pray for those in D.C. Pray that our leaders would be filled with wisdom. The Bible talks about a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they would have that, that the Lord would give them wisdom on how to discern and navigate these times. So I want to challenge you, whether you're on Facebook or whether you're, on, uh, you're talking to somebody over the phone, promote peace. Promote faith. It's... <laughs> How, I was just telling somebody the other day how easy it is for us to be bold behind a computer screen trying to defend our faith. But where is that boldness when you're standing in Walmart next to somebody who needs Jesus? How easy it is for us to defend the gospel when it's convenient, but when it's standing right in front of us and somebody's there, we're too scared. Let us not just live boldly behind the computer screen, but let's live boldly for Jesus no matter where you are. How easy it is to be, to be confident when no one else can, can criticize you to your face. But let's be people that rise above and look differently than the world. We need to be people that people can look at and say, they must know Jesus because they're living in peace. They're living in rest during this time. We should look different. So I want to encourage you, be people that promote faith, be people that promote peace, and this should not be the time where we try to run and hide. This is not the time for the church to retreat. This is the time for the church to rise up and to be the light of the world that we were called to be. So if you're feeling the need to go try to hide and get away, that's not the gospel. The gospel is in times of crisis, we rise above and we speak it from the mountaintops and we say there is hope and his name is Jesus. So if you're wondering how to respond during times like this, respond in prayer, respond in faith, and begin to respond in declaring to those around you that there is hope and his name is Jesus. This is not a time to retreat. This is a time to advance, and we're seeing that. We're seeing people who have never heard the gospel before getting saved, saying yes, and giving their lives to Jesus. We're beginning to see family. We're getting, people are getting baptized right now. People are beginning to surrender their lives to Jesus. So trust me, the gospel is not being defeated. The gospel is not being restricted. The gospel is not under attack. The gospel is actually advancing. Jesus cannot be stopped by a virus, and he's not being stopped right now. So let your faith arise. Let there be boldness in your heart to not try the need to criticize or defend, but to lift people up. Amen? Amen. So you should be in 1 Samuel by now. That was the longest introduction known to mankind, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to read a story about David and Goliath. I thought, what best way to talk about uh, the Bible on Mother's Day than to talk about David and Goliath and a little boy killing a giant and cutting off his head. Praise God. But the good news is this. I'm wearing a flower shirt, so I try to compromise a little bit. So while there is death that I will be speaking of, there's flowers. So for all of you mothers, you're welcome. I have flowers on my shirt today. You're welcome. Um, so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to pick up right after David. He's been a shepherd now. He's been helping his father. His father sends him to the battle lines. At that time, Goliath has already come out and said, send somebody, send somebody from the camp of Israel to come and fight me. And whoever beats me, if they beat me, we will become your slaves. But if you beat us, um, or if we beat you, you'll become our slaves. And all of Israel is scared. They're all freaked out. Sound familiar right now? They're all wondering, what should we do? And no one is rising up. No one is taking a stand to say, hey, Goliath, we will not stand for those words that you are doing as you're cursing our God. 
We will rise up against you because God is with us. And this is where David comes onto the scene. In verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion. Doesn't this just sound like a good Mother's Day scripture? It's powerful. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, for me, I love sports. And this, this uh, example of David and Goliath is so prevalent, especially if you love sports. Uh, one thing that I missed during this quarantine time was March Madness. When it, it, during the month of March, uh, if you love college basketball, you're basically glued to your TV Thursday through Sunday for about four weeks. And it is the best time of the year. Praise God. It is the best time to be stuck at home and take vacation and just watch games for 24 hours. And uh, there is a tournament where you have these top tier teams like Duke or North Carolina or Louisville or other schools that I don't know about. And then there's these really small schools that like not many people go to. And these little small schools barely squeak into this tournament and they're the 16th seed or the 15th seed or the 14th seed. And they got to try to play against these big dogs. And rarely... Do these little guys actually compete? But ever so often, there's this little 14 or 15 seed that beats the number two or number three. And everybody goes wild, and it's the Cinderella story. But one time, a couple years ago, the 16 seed, the lowest seed in the tournament, beat the number one seed. And it was crazy. And, and that, that, that team, the number 16 seed, did what no one else had done before. They went into that game knowing that it was impossible to beat the number one team. It was not normal, and no one had done it before. But they believed. They said, no, today's going to be different. Today's not going to look like it did before. Today, we're going to rise above the challenge ahead of us, and we are not going to accept normal any longer. I believe that today that the Lord wants to give you faith that doesn't accept normal. Write that down. Faith that doesn't accept normal. Now normal can look like a lot of different things. This is what we think normal looks like. We think normal looks like we go to school, we, we meet a pretty young girl, we get married, we, we raise a, a, a great family, we have an awesome career, life is amazing. We raise the best kids who never speak back to us, never have to be disciplined, they're the best. And everybody knows that they're the best, just like us, they're also the best looking children. Which by the way, babies, it takes a while for good looking children to happen. It's just like you need, you need, I'm so glad for time and incubation part of my children growing and and, and looking more like their mother than their father when they were first born. As you get older, you then send your kids to college. And they go to college, they get four-year degrees. They go to college and they get a great job right afterwards. Then they get married and they all move out. And you're in this honeymoon phase when you're in, um, uh, what's the phase when your children move out? Empty nesting. 
And then you retire and it's perfect and life goes all according to plan. There's no issues. Your marriage is great. Your children's are great. Everything in life goes according to plan. That's what we think is normal. And if our life doesn't go that way, we think we're abnormal. But let me actually describe to you often times what normal looks like. Normal often looks like from the outside, it looks like our marriage is incredibly healthy and we're madly in love with each other. But truth be told, we actually don't really like each other that much. We're struggling. We don't know how to communicate. And we're constantly at odds with one another. Normal often looks like, yeah, my kid maybe has a 4.0, but you don't realize that he's struggling with substance abuse or he's becoming sexually active at a young age. And, but from the outside, everything looks great. Normal oftentimes looks like I got to keep up appearance so people think I have everything going on right. But truth be told, I can't even afford what I'm doing. I can't afford the car that I drive. My finances are in disarray. I'm drowning in debt. Normal oftentimes looks like we come to church and we raise our hands and we, we sing the songs and we, we amen the preacher and, and we say all the Christian catchphrases. But truth be told, we really don't even know the Lord. We, we actually come in times of crisis like this and we don't even know what we believe. Normal oftentimes looks like a life that looks like Jesus in a church building, but when you leave, no one around you can even tell that you know him. Normal oftentimes looks like we're trying to hide what's really going on in our lives, and we stay in a cycle of sin, or we stay in a cycle of struggling with anger, or we stay in a cycle of struggling with confusion or doubt about what we really believe, or we stay in a cycle where we go through the same thing year after year after year, and pretty soon What we once tried to change, we soon accept as normal. What we once wanted to be different in our marriage, what we once wanted to be different with our children, what we once wanted to be different about ourselves, we soon accept as normal. This is just how I am. This is just the way things are. I'm always going to be in pain. I'm always going to struggle with anxiety. My marriage is just always going to be challenging. My children are just never going to like me. They're not going to know the Lord. My finances, I'm just always going to live in poverty. We begin to accept things as normal that were never meant to be normal. In 1 Samuel, there's a story about a woman named Hannah. See, it's Mother's Day. I'm bringing in a woman in the Bible about Hannah, amazing woman of God. This woman of God had a husband who had another wife. Now, Hannah could not have a child. She was barren. Her womb was closed, and she was unable to have, have any children. But her husband's other wife was able to have plenty of kids. And Hannah was obviously feeling distressed about having children, but the other wife, man, she loved to make fun of Hannah, loved to remind her about how she couldn't have any children. Y'all know what I'm talking about where someone's in your life and they're like, just to remind you about all your problems, remind you about why you're never going to make it, remind you how you're a loser, remind you about how you failed. They like to bring up all those past failures in your life. This was that other woman in Hannah's life. And, and her husband treated her very well. Her husband would come to her and would give her extra, would love on her, would bless her. But Hannah, there was something in her that said, I, 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 I believe that I can have children. I believe that it's not always going to be this way. Something rose inside of her and said, this is not going to continue because God can heal me. And her husband actually went to her and said, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? Have, do I not love you enough? That why, why You don't need children. Am I not enough? And oftentimes we can even have people in our own circle that begin to look at the faith that's in our heart and begin to say, bro, just accept it as normal. 
Like, this is just the way it's always going to be. Isn't it enough that you have this family? Isn't it enough that you have this church? Isn't it enough that you have the job you have? Why do you need more? But there was something in Hannah that said, I cannot accept normal. I believe that something could change. And she went and she began to pray and intercede that God would come and open her womb and she could begin to have children. It says that she actually went to the temple and began to pray. And the priest there, whose name was Eli, thought that she was drunk because of how desperate she was before the Lord. See, oftentimes your faith, the faith that doesn't accept normal can be misunderstood by people around you. They won't get it. They won't understand even people in the church because it's so uncommon for people to have faith that don't accept normal. It's so common for people to have things in their life that they just accept, it's just gonna be this way. I'm always gonna struggle with this. And see, Hannah, there was something in here that said, nah, I'm not gonna accept that as normal. There was something in here that said, even though I've never seen anybody else who's never had a child that's been barren, I believe that God can come and do a miracle in my life, open my womb, and I can have a child. See, I, I struggle with this as well because there's people who be like, Aaron, why can't you be satisfied that you have a church of 750 or 800 people in a town of Woodland? Just be satisfied that that's the opinion. But see, for me, I look around and I see cities of people that don't know the Lord. I see schools that where, where children don't know Jesus. I see families of, that are struggling. I see people that aren't healed yet. I see people that don't know the Lord yet. So for me, I'm not satisfied. And even though I haven't seen it yet, I believe that's going to come and I'm not going to accept this as normal. I'm going to have faith for something greater. I'm going to have faith for more. Many of you might have a normal in your life and you've begun just to accept it. You've begun to just say, this is just the way it's going to be. It's never going to change. My life is always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be tension. It's always going to be difficult. And you begin to accept that maybe you're in pain and the doctor's given you a report 20 years ago and you just accept it. This is just the way it's always going to be. I believe the Lord wants to give you faith today that doesn't accept normal any longer. See, normal oftentimes looks like brokenness. Normal oftentimes looks like pain. Normal oftentimes looks like the Israelites as they walked around a mountain for 40 years going through the same thing year after year after year with the promised land right over the Jordan River. And I believe that the Lord wants to give you faith to not accept normal. Let me read you a scripture. It's out of John 14, verse 12. It says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. The Lord wants to give you faith today to believe that the normal, that the normal that you even read about in the Bible, that there's greater than that normal. The Lord talks about how we go from glory to glory to glory. And God wants your life to emulate that same type of process where your life you get freedom, and then you get to the next level of freedom, and then you get the next level, you experience God here, and then there's more to experience God. You've never reached the, 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 the pinnacle of, of everything that God has for you or the freedom in your life. There's always more, and we can't become complacent in our lives when we just accept life is always going to be this way, and this is just my new normal. Now, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to look at, at things in my life that I've been believing for and just accept it because I know God's greater than what I'm seeing today. And I believe that God wants to give you faith for that. In Matthew or Mark 11, 22 through 24, it says, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, this is Jesus. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in your heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received and it will 
will be yours. There's power in your faith. There's power in your believing. And God wants to plant in you a faith that can move mountains. You're maybe looking at what's in front of you and say, well, you don't understand. I'm crippled. Well, you don't understand. Uh, I'm in massive debt. Well, you don't understand. My spouse won't even talk to me anymore. Well, you don't understand. This city is really lost. People don't know Jesus. But you don't understand who God is. And when God is for you, nothing can be against you. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And oftentimes what happens is we begin to focus on the bigness of the obstacle in front of us rather than the bigness of our king. We need to begin to recognize who Jesus is, and he's with us, and he's never going to forsake us. And so David recognizes this. He's standing there with all the other Israelites, and the normal at that time is to run and be scared. Looking at Goliath to run away, to hide, and look for somebody else to do it. Right now, there's a lot of people running and hiding and looking for somebody else to stand up and be a David. Running and hiding and looking for somebody else to stand up in faith. And I believe the Lord wants to give you that faith today. That faith that doesn't, that's not going to look like the rest of the Israelites. It's not going to look like everybody else criticizing, tearing people down, propagating fear. But it's going to stand up and say, hey, have no fear because Jesus is right here. That sounds like an old Carmen song. I'm pretty sure Carmen probably used those words. Have no fear, Jesus is here. David stood up. David would not accept normal. And Jesus is with you right now, offering you faith for your situation, offering you faith for what you're facing. You have a choice. Will you accept it? And that acceptance is by saying yes and leaving fear behind, leaving worry behind, leaving doubt behind. As we move on in the scripture, Saul replied to David and he said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. See, this is what the devil does is he comes to you and he tries to convince you that you're not capable, that your faith doesn't matter. The devil comes and he tries to remind you and he says, hey, hey, uh, you don't matter because this issue has been around for a long time. Remember how you've gone through this same process before and you ask God to to heal you or deliver you before? Yeah, the same thing's going to happen again because that thing is really big and you're really small. This is what the devil does is he comes and he tries to tear down your faith and remind you that you're never going to make it. And I love David's response because the devil's like, hey, you're not able. And David's like, I know. I know I'm not able, but you don't understand. See, I've killed the lion, and then I killed the bear, and now I'm ready to defeat Goliath. See, part of the process for us is to recognize that the faith builds upon each other. In those different moments in your life, God has been preparing you for this moment with Goliath. And David says, and because my God is with me, Goliath will fall. Because my God is with me, I will get through what I'm facing today. Because my God is with me, I don't have to stay in this place, in fear, in shame, in unforgiveness any longer. I believe that there's many people watching today who you've stayed in the same cycle of sin for years. You're struggling with pornography for the last 20 years. You have unforgiveness towards a parent or a loved one for years. You're dealing with shame because of failures in your past. You're dealing with condemnation. You're, You're dealing with anxiety and depression and hopelessness. And you've dealt with it for years. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to come to you right now to give you faith that you can leave it behind and move forward. That you don't have to stay in that cycle any longer. And I love this because David is is showing us in this passage how to respond. 
And I want, I want you to write this down. To guard your mind is to guard your faith. Guard your mind to guard your faith. See, the devil is going to try to come and convince you, even while I'm speaking right now, that you can't do this, that you can't get through what you're facing, that what's against you is insurmountable. He's going to try to convince you. And I want to read this to you out of Matthew. It says, Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I got to tell you, this but in the Bible is one of the most important and the biggest buts you will ever see. This is God's but, and it's for you. Say this every time the devil tries to remind you that you're not going to make it. But with God. That's your but. But with God. But I can't make it. But with God. Well, it didn't work last time. But with God. Let that become your tagline during this season. But with God, all things are possible. And we have to begin to guard our minds and our thoughts. Let me show you this. In, in um, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. He is seated at the right hand of God. Let me tell you something. Jesus is still there. He hasn't come off the throne. He's still at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above. Right now, in this season, it's very easy for us to set our minds upon all that's going on. I don't know about you, but I get sent a conspiracy video about every 24 hours trying to tell me about how the world's gonna end and maybe some of them are true. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I'm not setting my minds on them, my mind on them. I'm setting my mind on Jesus. I'm not setting my mind on fear. I'm not setting my mind on... Oh, what's the government doing? Oh, what are my finances? I'm setting my mind on him. And you want to know what my mind is on him? I don't struggle with fear. When my mind is on him, I'm not struggling with anxiety. Where is your mind right now? Because the devil's going to try to come in to convince you that you're not going to make it. See, I have a two-year-old. Her name is Kingsley. She's probably watching right now. And uh, Kingsley uh, loves to talk. Now, my first two kids, they didn't really talk that much. They were like, they would play by themselves. And, you know, my son Israel, who's eight, he would play Legos for like two hours by himself. We would forget where he was because he would just be so quiet playing with Legos. He was like our perfect child. And, and Charlie, the same. She just like would do her thing. She loves to clean. She would just pick stuff up and, and you know, color and draw. And now they were quiet. Now, Kingsley, she didn't get the memo. Like, Christophers and children were supposed to just... Be, be quiet. She's loud, extremely loud. And she talks all the time. She never stops talking. And we're, we'll be driving in the car and she just talks the entire time. Now, if we're around other people, those people will hear her talking and they won't have a clue of what she's saying. Even for myself, sometimes I'm like, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. But my wife always knows what Kingsley is saying. She knows every time Kingsley will just be like, you know, like uh, the Charlie Brown parents. Are wah, wah. That's what it sounds like when Kingsley's talking to me sometimes. But my wife, she can interpret a two-year-old's language like no one else. Because she's with her, she spends time with her. See, oftentimes people are like, well, what's the Lord saying right now? You want to know how you can hear and understand the voice of God? By spending time. We must stop what we're doing. Stop watching hours of YouTube videos, hours of Netflix, streaming this and watching that, and spend time with Jesus to know what he is saying during this time. 
If we spend as much time streaming and looking at conspiracy videos as reading our Bible, we would very clearly know what Jesus is saying during this time. And I know what he's saying. He's saying a message of hope. He's saying a message of faith, of life, and joy. Do you realize in the Bible it says, consider it pure joy when you face persecution? So even if we are getting persecuted, we should be happy about it. We should be joyful. Like, can you believe it? This is awesome. Let the joy of the Lord fill our hearts, and that only happens when you spend time with him and you know his voice. We must guard our minds by setting them on things above. And when they're set there, everything else around us doesn't matter because our minds and our hearts are set on the Lord. Memorize scripture. Read his word. Listen to worship. Let me read you another verse. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you look differently than the world? By your mind being renewed, which transforms your heart by thinking on things above, we must look differently than the world. As believers, they're looking at us right now. They're looking at us, how are you going to respond in crisis? Oftentimes, the church looks exactly like everyone else. We respond with fear and criticism. Let's look differently. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So in 1 Samuel 17, we jump back in the story, verse 38, it says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he looks at Saul and he says, bro, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag with this sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. I love this because see, faith that doesn't accept normal doesn't also fight normal. See, Saul looks at David and says, hey, you're bad on something? Let me tell you how to fight. This is what the world does. The world tries to tell you to fight the same way that they're fighting. Sword in hand, attacking, fight the same way. But see, we don't fight the same way as Christians. We don't fight the same way. We don't put the same armor on. We put different armor. We have the armor of God. We don't fight with words. We don't fight by throwing slander. We don't fight with criticism. You want to know how we fight? We fight with prayer. We fight with love. See, David's like, I don't don't need the sword. I don't need the armor. I don't need the shield. I got my own way to fight. See, right now, we got to recognize in this season who we're fighting against. Do you know this? You're not fighting against the governor. You and I are not in a fight against the government. We're not in a fight to try to protect our religious freedom. That's not who we're fighting against. We're not fighting against people. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against rulers and principalities and and things of darkness. We're fighting against the devil right now. That's who we're in a fight against. And I got good news for you. We've already won. The Bible says that the devil has been defeated. And because we sit with God in heavenly places, the devil's under the Lord's feet. And guess what? He's also under ours. We have authority and we have victory. The devil may have power, but he doesn't have authority. He only is powerful when you give it to him. We need to be people that during this time, we don't fight the same way as everybody else. This is how we fight as Christians. We pray. We intercede. So the next time you're about ready to go and post criticism, why don't you go and post hope? Why don't you post faith? Why don't instead of sharing another video to somebody that's showing them, hey, be fearful because the world's about ready to end, why don't you send them a video of hope saying, hey, God's your answer. No matter what you face, he's going to be there for you. Let us be believers that fight the way that Jesus told us to fight. When when the, the, the people came to capture Jesus to go crucify him, and Peter draws his sword to cut off the ear of the guard, 
What did Jesus do? Peter, that's not how we fight. That's how a lot of people are fighting right now. A lot of people are grabbing their sword and throwing criticism. A lot of people are grabbing their sword and just looking like everybody else, but that's not how Jesus fights. Jesus serves. Jesus loves. Jesus lays down his life. Jesus actually prays for those who persecute him. He prays for them. If you feel persecuted right now, your response should be to pray for them. We should not be tearing people down. We should be fighting like Jesus. And Jesus did not fight that way. How are you fighting today? Are you putting on the sword and the, 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 the shield and the armor to try to look like everyone else in the world? That's not what we do. David says, that's not how I fight. He goes on. And it says, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. This is Goliath in verse 42. Glowing with health and handsome and Goliath despised him. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. See, the devil doesn't like you because you're good looking. So just look at your person that's sitting next to you and say, hey, the devil hates you because you're beautiful. That's what it says in the Bible right here. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin. Remember, that's not how we fight. But I come against you, here it is, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you had to fight. This is how we fight. We fight with Jesus beside us. We don't fight fire with fire. We come in love. In verse 48, it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly. Notice that. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Write this down. Faith runs toward the giant. Faith runs towards the giant. Today, it can feel like we are facing a giant. Maybe for you, it isn't the quarantine or a virus or the government. Maybe it's your marriage, something going on. Maybe it's in your children. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe the giant is depression. Maybe the giant is doubt. You don't even know what you believe anymore. Maybe the, the giant is, is pain. Physically, emotionally, Maybe it's hurt in your heart towards someone that loved you. And that giant is causing you to retreat and run. It's causing you to go and hide. You're looking at what the government might be doing right now, and you're like, they're trying to, to, to take everything away from Let's go retreat. Let's go hide. Let's turn off our phones and you know, unplug everything from the wall so they can't. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us to run towards the giant, not to retreat. Not to hide, not to try to hunker down. We run towards the giant. Now, I know that this can speak to every single person watching because every single person that is breathing is facing something in front of them that can seem challenging. And oftentimes what we do is we allow that giant to overpower our faith and force us to go hide saddened, frustrated, feeling like we've lost, we can't win, feeling like we're in a fight against something that is stronger than we are. But I want to encourage you that the God who lives in you is inviting you to run towards the obstacle in front of you. That the giant that is facing you today has already lost because the God that's within you has already won. And the victory that is within you, the victory over sin, the victory over unforgiveness, the victory over anxiety, 
It's right there. It's not time to go and hibernate away. It's time to stand up and my God is with me. My God is for me. I want to encourage you in this time of, of quarantine. Many people feel like we're under attack. Many people feel like religious freedom is under attack. And tomorrow, my brother and I, we're going to be putting up a video. We're going to be recording a video talking a little bit deeper about what we believe God is saying during this time. It's going to be tomorrow evening, and I encourage you to watch it as we can detail quite a bit more of this. But I want to tell you this. No matter what may be attacking us, no matter what challenge we may be facing, as believers of Jesus, we don't run away. We run towards. We don't retreat. We stand our ground. Because Jesus is with us. And I will tell you this, standing your ground and fighting looks differently than you may think. It doesn't look like throwing mud. It doesn't look like criticizing or tearing down. It looks like praying. It looks like building up. When was the last time you prayed for your leaders, your mayor, your governor, your county officials, your president? Let's be intercessors in a time like this. Let's not be tearing people down. And let's know who we were fighting against. We're fighting against the devil. You're not fighting against man. Let us be people that have a faith that don't accept normal in our lives. I believe that there's many of you watching today who have accepted things and this is just the way things will always be. You're in this cycle of being frustrated with life. I felt specifically there's people who you've been in, 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 in a job or a career and you've felt like the Lord has called you out of it, but you've just said, no, this is just, I'm always, this is just the way I am. I believe that there's, the Lord has given you dreams and visions for your life to begin to believe for more. And he's given you faith today to not accept things just as normal. I'm not going to stay here any longer. I'm going to believe God for greater. If that faith can move mountains. That faith can defeat a giant. That faith can say, everyone else may be scared, but I'm not going to be. I'm going to be the light of the world in this season. And there may be some of, you, some of you who are just feeling just frustrated with this season of life. You're trying to fight for, for just your life or your marriage, or you're trying to fight for your sanity, whatever it may be. I want to tell you that the faith of the Lord is going to be deposited in you. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. I believe the faith of God is going to fill you that faith is going to rise in your heart and you will not be defeated any longer. You will not try to run and retreat any longer, nor will you accept normal anymore. Every person I read about in scripture that I try to live and model my life after was somebody who had faith to not accept normal. See, for me, give me two more minutes. For me, I have faith that we're going to see a city saved. I have faith to believe that the normal is not going to happen, that we're going to see schools bow their knee to Jesus. I believe that my children are going to grow up and live their life for Jesus every single day. I believe that my marriage is going to be strong. I believe that when I lay hands on people, they will recover. I believe that even though it's not normal, people are going to be healed in this church when they walk through the door. I believe that when people drive by our building, they're going to encounter the presence of God. I believe it, even though it's not normal, but God has given me faith to not accept normal. God has given me faith to say, even though I haven't seen it before, even though it has it's not common. God's given me faith to believe for something that isn't normal. And that faith must guard my mind. I must protect it by the thoughts that I think. I must pursue the obstacle in front of me. I must recognize that God wants to use me for that mountain to be moved. He's looking for people to rise up for their faith to say, okay, I'm not just going to stay what's comfortable, but I'm going to press forward and not just accept normal in my life. And God wants to give that to you today. So if you're here, if you're watching, and you're saying, I need that faith, do this with me. Close your eyes for a moment. Just put your hands out and say, Jesus, 
I receive this faith. Father, anybody who's facing something right now that feels impossible in their lives, Lord, I ask that you'd give them faith to press forward. God, people who have begun to accept things just the way that they are, they've, they've allowed the, the, the bondage in their life or they've allowed obstacles in their life or they, they've allowed an anger issue or depression or an anxiety or they've allowed the stress or they've allowed a doubt or shame or unforgiveness, things to just become normal. Lord, I ask that you give them faith to defeat those. Faith to move on from those. Faith to not just stay in that same cycle year after year after year. Faith to not accept normal. God, let hope arise. Let us as believers respond as followers of Jesus. Respond as you would during this time. God, that we, we pray even for our, our city officials. We pray for our, our state officials, our, 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 our United States of America officials in D.C. God, that you would give them wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, bless them, favor them, protect them. The blood of Jesus cover them during this time. And let hope arise. Father, I just come against every lie of the enemy that would try to convince people that they can't make it, that they're not enough. Father, I, I ask that you, you would renew people's minds, even remove uh, the, the, the thoughts and the, 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 those old phrases that would try to convince them that, that they're failures, that they're losers, that they're, they aren't going to make it, that they've prayed for healing before and it's just never going to happen. God, break the cycle of doubt. Let fear arise in G or faith arise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I would ask you this as you're watching, if the Lord has helped you, if he's blessed you, if he's filled you with faith, let us know. Comment. We'd love to believe with you. We'd love to continue to pray for you. And uh, let faith arise. And let's be Christians who live like Jesus and represent him in this world. Amen.